All right, folks, we got a busy morning this morning, a lot to cover. Um, I know that uh, kind of left us hanging last week. I'll probably do the same this week. We have a lot to cover, as I said, and uh, kind of want to try not to move through this too quick, but I do want to capture some of the thoughts and the foundation, foundational truths about what we're going to talk about this morning and God's view of the world. <clears throat> So, but last week, for those of you who were not here, like our Georgia friend, Mizzou almost beat you guys. Sorry about that. But you win's a win is right. But uh, I want to kind of re recap a little bit about last week and then jump into what we're going to be dealing with today. But before we do that, let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. Let's ask God's blessing. Father, we thank you that you've gathered us together. This is with purpose. This is... Uh, according to the will of God, we thank you, Lord, for uh, just giving us a desire to know the things of God. Thank you for our guests that are here, have desired to hear from you. May, Father, you speak to our hearts this morning with the Spirit of God. Minister to each of us according to that need. May you give us unction, not only as a speaker, but, Father, as, as hearers of the Word. Stir in our hearts, Lord, this very truth that, Lord, we, you've given us the command to watch and pray. Help us, Lord, to keep our eyes on you and on what's coming, we pray. We ask this all in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So last week, watch and pray, what it meant in regards as it relates to the coming of Christ. Jesus commanded watch and pray, watch and pray, seven times in the Gospels. And of course, there's more of that in the Pauline epistles and throughout Scripture to keep our eyes on the return of Christ. Now, a lot of people tend to sleep and are not attentive to this truth, and uh, that's why I'm bringing it up. It's sometimes we need a course correction to get our thoughts and our mind and our heart on the right things of God, because when you do that, it reflects in your life. It reflects in your thought life and how you act and think and the decisions you make. It, it, it influences everything you do in life, um, and so that's why it's commanded to watch, which means basically be attentive. Don't be sleeping. And we'll talk a little bit about that this morning. And we got into the fact that uh, the, the Pharisees and the people of the day in Christ's day were looking for signs. And they had a right to look for signs because the Jews were requir require a sign. God gave them a sign since the beginning of the days of Moses. However, they, they want, wanted a sign to believe. That's a big difference. It's one thing to know and acknowledge and observe a sign. It's a whole other thing to say, I need a sign to believe. Jesus rebuked that, those leaders, and said, a wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. It's not wrong to go look for a sign. It's wrong to think you need a sign to believe. That's what the problem is. So I'm going to try to clarify a little bit about that because Jesus did give them a sign. He gave them the sign of Jonas, which isn't really, you think about it, a sign other than it's the, it, Jonas represented the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So when he gave them a sign, he gave them a sign of the Scripture. The Scripture itself speaks for it. If you don't believe the Scriptures, you're not going to believe the signs. That's what he's saying to them. So does that mean we don't look at signs? Does this mean we hide our heads in the sand with things going around just say, oh, you know, la-di-da-di-da. -da -da. It's, you know, no, that's not, that's not how Christians are to be. The believers, they're not looking for signs. So they can, like, believe. But they recognize signs, and they observe signs, and they are discerning about signs. So let's clarify. 
Jesus said to them, in that context of a wicked and adulterous generation, seek it that for sign, he said, you can discern the face of the sky, but can you discern the, the signs of the times? So it's not wrong to discern. And what that means simply, if I can get this going, uh, thank you, brother. Hey, I'm still a little rusty. Give me a break here. Discern, to watch, perceive, to see, and take note. Basically, you, we ought to be looking around, and we ought to not hide our head in the sand about what's going on. We're going to talk a lot about what's going on in the next three or four weeks. We're going to talk about Israel. These are major events. Israel is a key to prophecy. If you understand Israel, you understand unlocking the key to prophecy. Not only is it about Israel, but it's about apostasy. What does that mean? What does it look like? We'll talk about that. And we're going to get into some technology and what's happening with the world to prepare it for things to come. We're going to dig deep into artificial intelligence. I know that's a little off base for some people, but I think when you get through that, you will realize the world's preparing for something it's not ready for. And I'm talking any time now. This is already happening. Most people don't, they're hiding, they're just, they're just going about their daily life. They're marrying, giving a marriage, they're drinking, and they're eating, and they're planting, and they're building, and they don't realize what's going on is God's preparing the world for what's coming. And believe me, technology is going to play a huge role. So as believers, we don't seek a sign to believe. We believe the scripture above any sign and say amen. That's the fact for believers. However, signs are going to show up again. Uh, there's a lot of things Jesus talked about, the signs in the heavens, and there's going to be signs on the earth and all kinds of things. But the Antichrist, when he shows up during the tribulation, now believers of the church are not there. They're not at present. We believe that the church is raptured before this event called the tri Great Tribulation or the Tribulation. And the, as Satan rises through the Antichrist, with the Antichrist, you'll notice his coming is after the working of Satan with all powers and signs. So the signs start showing up again, but in this case, to deceive the world. So signs have been before when Christ showed up. Remember, he showed up with signs, and we talked about that last week, but Antichrist will show up with signs as well. Um, we are not ignorant to be ignorant of the times and seasons, but we're not to be obsessed with them either. This is where, you know, people will chase conspiracy theories. It's exciting. Y'all remember Y2K? Remember? Yes. How, how many of you fell for that? Don't, don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. <laughs> I was one of them that, I was a little bit on the edge there on the Y2K. I think part of me wanted it to happen because I believe that that meant that might trigger events that brings Christ back. So there's a part of me that's a little selfish in that. But we can get real obsessed, and the obsessions lead to often conspiracy theories, and, and, and which are endless. You'll never, you never have the answers. You just keep looking and, 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 and grasping for things. And so we got to be careful what we're looking at. When I talk about artificial intelligence, I don't want people to go out here and spend all their time and energy reading and trying to observe and look for artificial intelligence but they should be aware of it and discern that it is preparing the world for what's coming. And they could look at apostasy or they could look at Israel, but just because we have a war going on in Israel doesn't mean Christ is coming back any day. We believe that with a war or without a war. But it might be preparing the world for what's coming, the joining of Iran with Russia and Russia with China, 
Those are all things we believe prophecy seems to indicate in the end times. So, but we can't say for sure. So we don't get obsessed with it. Now the disciples, when Jesus was preparing to ascend into heaven after his resurrection, they had a question that was reasonable and fair to ask. When are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Because that's what was promised to them. The problem is they didn't know that in that process, God was going to build the church. It was a mystery. It was a dispensation. They had no idea. And so, he, he, so when they asked that question, will thou restore the kingdom to Israel, what's he respond to them? What was the words of Christ? He said, it's not for you to know the times and seasons. He's telling you, don't focus on that. But what you're to focus on, you're to be witnesses. You're supposed to be doing what I need you to do and not worry about the times and seasons. That doesn't mean you just you shut your eyes and you don't observe and discern what's going on, but you've got to be careful that you don't become obsessed with those things. Because those things will take your eyes off Christ. And you'll start, you'll start, you know, like I'm, I know people's like, the TV's watching you, the TV's watching you. What do I care? I mean, but people get to that point where I have I, all the all the controllers that worked for me all had tape over their their cameras on their on their their IT guys, a lot of them controllers, their laptops and their computers always had tape over it. I said, why do you do that? Because they're watching. That's what they used to say. They're watching. They can watch you, observe you, and that's true today, by the way, very true. It's accurate to say that. But the, what does that matter? Why would I worry about that when I should be worried about what I'm doing for Christ. That's really what this is about. God say, don't focus and obsess with that, but I don't want you to be ignorant either. I want you to discern those things. So the times and seasons are not the priority, but being a witness is. So in 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 and 2, and verse 5, which is the key, we'll look at that in a minute, but the times and seasons, brother, you have no need that I write unto you, for yourselves yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. You're just not, you're not going to pinpoint it down. Does anybody remember the 88 reasons the rapture is going to happen in 1988? Yes. Yes. I was a young believer. Woo, I was so excited. I was like, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Like, yeah, that's, you know, when somebody starts pinpointing these things, that's, that, that tells you right now it's not going to happen. Because no one knows the time or the season. You're just not going to know. Now, you're going to have ideas, but, man, people have been trying to do this for 2,000 years, and they're off the mark. Remember, God's not in a, a box of time like us. So a day is like a 1,000 years, and a 1,000 years like a day. So God's timetable is a lot different than ours. And so we th see things we're like, oh, this has got to be it comes as a thief in the night. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch, there it is again, and be sober as it relates to the coming of Christ. So when he says, let us not sleep, this is the problem with Christians today. They're so unaware of what's going on. Their, their, their life is just what the days of Noah. They were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage, and they're just going on life like it's all just normal. When it's not, they're not focused on the right things for Christ. And they're sleeping as a result of it. And so, think about sleeping. Nobody here would think about sleeping at the wheel, but we know what happens if you do. There's consequences. 
If I slept in a board meeting when my CEO was talking, that would not have ended well. And if I'm talking to my wife, or she's talking to me, and I fall asleep while she's talking to me, that's certainly not going to end well. You get the point? But we fall asleep on Christ all the time. Oh, uh, you know, Lord, I'm just, I'm tired. I mean, the, in the garden, would, would you come and pray with me, Peter, James, John? What did they do? They fell asleep three times. He said, what? Could you not watch with me for one hour? I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to die for you. But he couldn't even stay awake for him when he needed him the most. That's human nature. Let us not sleep. we got to be watching. When we're watching, we're observing, we're discerning, and we recognize things are not getting better. Now, this is where it's going to get a little negative. Now, th there may be some folks that came in here looking for a really positive message. And I'm going to try to do a little bit, like wrapping it a little bow or something. But ultimately, what I'm about to tell you in the next 15, 20 minutes is not positive. Because it's going to depict God's viewpoint of what the world is, what's happening in the world and where it's headed. And it's going to lay a foundation why we're supposed to be watching. Because I think we are living in a very unique time. Now, I believe Christ could come back at any time. Of course, Paul thought that too, 2,000 years ago. So we need to be watching. And this is what Jesus said. This is where it comes down to occupy till I come. That's what the focus is for every believer. It's like, I'm not hiding my head in the sand. I'm going to be observant, but I'm not going to be consumed with what's going on, but I'm going to be acknowledging it's going on. And I'll be even more excited knowing what's going on that maybe today is the day. Now, I know that bothers a lot of people. For one, they have grandchildren. You have great-grandchildren. You have people you love and know aren't saved. That bothers us. Because we know if the rapture happens, they get left behind. And that bothers us. So sometimes we're like, well, Lord, I want you to come back, but not now. Well, I don't think he's going to answer that prayer. He'll come back when he wants to come back. And he'll know. He knows and understand, by the way, when you get to heaven, you're not going to worry about any of that. He's going to wipe away every tear. So, yes, in human flesh, we worry about that. When we get to heaven, you're not going to worry. You have the mind of Christ. You won't have to worry about that anymore. But while you're in this flesh, you will worry about it. But in the meantime, occupy till I come. Now, this is a conclusion, conclusive statement about what we've been talking about. Peter's talking about the last days, end times, and I'll get into that, what that means. But notice what he says here in these four verses. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. In other words, if you realize God's going to that this earth's going to be changed one day, what are you living for? Think about that. If you know it's going to be dissolved, where are you putting your treasures? Where is your heart? Where is your emphasis? Where is your efforts and energy? He says we're to be looking for and hasting, grabbing a hold of the day of God. Then he says, according to his promise, look for a new heaven and a new earth. How many of us look for a new heaven and a new earth? Because I'm tired of this earth and heaven. I love, I love God's creation. I spent a lot of time enjoying it. But I realize this is marred. I'm marred by sin, and the creation's marred by sin. This is nothing compared to what's coming. 
I'm talking for the believer. That's why God doesn't talk about heaven much. Did you ever notice that? It's a mystery to most of us. Like He gives us glimpses of it. I think he gives us glimpses by us going out into his created world, and we see things like Yellowstone, or we see uh, uh, glaciers, and we see, uh, I'm trying to think of some of the beautiful parks out there, Grand Canyon, and it takes our breath away. That's just a microcosm of what heaven's going to be like. He doesn't describe it because you will never comprehend it in your flesh and in this sinful body. So he gives you glimpses of it through creation so that you go, man, I know something's even better than this. And I, I've gone through Yosemite where I stood and saw all the waterfalls and the beauty and it just took my breath away. And then I try to describe it to people who haven't been there and they're like, they're like, well, yeah, it sounds great. It's not until you're there and you see it. So God has a way of saying, look for it, believe it, you can see it, but you're never going to understand it. But he wants us to be looking. Watch, beloved, seeing that you look for such things. Because if you do look for such things, be diligent, you may be found in him of peace, spot, and blameless. Your life will reflect it if you're looking. So, all right. Is the end near? Boy, just recently I was talking to somebody that I, I really appreciate, but they have a different perspective on um, Revelation. They believe the Bible's literal until they get to the book of Revelation, which is just bizarre to me. But they get to the book, ah, it's allegorical. So everything up until Revelation's literal, and then Revelation itself is allegorical. It's figurative. It's not, that's all happened already. It's all past. So when people talk about the end near, you know what they think? That somehow, boom, one day, Jesus comes back, and it's, that's it. He, he weighs your good with your bad, and there's eternity. So it's a very broad-stroke belief, and, and it's been prevalent throughout Christianity. But the end doesn't mean the end. Like, we think of everything's done. There are different dispensations in Scripture, and we're going to talk about this in the blueprint of prophecy in the next coming week. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a board. I've got to get my board in here and... I'll draw it out for you and show you that the, here's the church age, and that's a dispensation, and there'll be an end to it. That's one end, but that's the beginning of another called the tribulation, Daniel's 70th week. That's a period of seven years, very defined in Scripture. Four different ways it's defined of seven years. So it's a, it's a period of time. That has an end. Then there's a millennial period where Jesus is reigning as king, as a king with a kingdom over all the earth. That's another period. Then cometh the end, where there's a new heaven and a new earth. So each end is different and unique at what God's doing. For us, the end is the rapture, and the beginning of the rapture of the church, and the beginning of the tribulation period. So that would be what we reference as the last days, the end times. Okay? So, is the end near? Well, this is some of the characteristics of the end times. The last days, perilous times shall come. Now, folks, you could say that's true for the last 2,000 years. You know, Roman Empire, barbaric, you, you know, you go back into the wars that took place in Europe and Middle East, and you could say that's true. So, are the last days just the last 2,000 years, or is there something else happening? And I'll explain that. You shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, Jesus said. Nations shall rise against nation. That's been happening. Kingdom against kingdom, famines, pestilences, earthquakes 
in diverse places or diverse places. All that has been happening, but what Jesus is referring to, as you get closer to the end time, or the last days, as we reference the church, for example, that is going to increase with intensity, and it will accelerate. And anybody who studies wars for the last hundred years knows there's more wars in the last hundred years throughout the world than there's been in the history up to that point. And pestilences, diseases, because why? People are, there's more travel, there's more contact, a lot more things are happening. They've all happened in the past, but they're happening at an accelerated rate. COVID is a good example. If the world wasn't traveling and wasn't connected, it would have stayed in China. But it traveled in less than 24 hours. As soon as those people had it and came to San Fran and what happened, it spread throughout like fire. And so I'm not trying to get debatable about COVID. It was real. It was a pestilence. It's a virus. But that, you see the increasing of severity. And you see that, but there's been Black Plague and the Bubonic Plague. So there's been these instances, but these are accelerating and their intensity is increasing. That's what Jesus is talking about in peril, and then Paul saying perilous times shall come. So, let me try to establish a foundation here for all of us regarding how does God view the last days? I mean, what is his outline of the last days? What, what are these fundamental truths that are characteristics of the last day from God's viewpoint? Because I'm going to do a comparison this morning of man's and God's. And we'll get to God's later, but let's look a little bit at man's first. The second law of thermodynamics. Who's a scientist in here? Any scientists? Any chemists? Anybody understand anything about second law of thermodynamics? A little bit. Well, neither do I, so we're in a good company here. So I had to read a lot about that, and I still don't understand it. But it has to do with entropy and unavailable energy versus available energy and an open versus a closed system. How's that for a definition? I told you that you'd be like, huh? Like I did. Read it over and over, different viewpoints. Is the second law of thermodynamics at work? You say, well, what does it mean first? It says in layman's terms, it's a lack of order, of predictability, and it's a gradual decline into disorder. So, the debate by creationists, we are seeing the second law of thermodynamics applied to, to the earth. Unregenerate, non-believer type scientists call that a lie. That's the debate. However, I'm going to look at it from God's viewpoint. Because the scientists, just because they say they're scientists and they're all changing their ideas all the time and their theories, doesn't necessarily mean they're right but yet the world follows them. Professor gets up and says, I've got a PhD in this, PhD in that, PhD, and then he tells you there is no such thing as a God. We were all evolved. Do you know how much faith it takes to believe man evolved? Have you ever considered what it takes for faith to believe? You just throw another billion years and you might get an answer. Got, that's my point. Just because he's educated doesn't mean he's right. But we buy into that all day long. So, yeah, educated beyond his intelligence is what I like to say. Gradual decline. So scientists say it doesn't apply to Earth because it's a closed 
or open system versus closed. Well, think about your car. It wears out, right? Drive your car for five years, what happens? It breaks down. That's the second law of thermodynamics in a closed system in its application. But the earth, they say, is different. It's not experiencing this. But what's God say about all this? The Lord said, in the beginning has laid the foundation of the earth. In other words, God created. And Jesus was very clear that in the beginning, he said it. And when God created Adam and Eve, he talked about creation. So there's no question about, if you say there's, it wasn't created, then you're making Jesus a liar. Because he, he backed up the creation. He is the one who created Thank you, Marilyn. He said, now what's God say about? They, the creation, shall perish. But thou remainest, and they shall wax old, as doth a garment. So over time, how many of you have got a shirt you've held on to for 20 years? All the men said, amen. Uh, shoes, we won't go to the underwear part. But the, definitely the shirts. I got a shirt, Nike shirt I've had for 20 years. My kids think that thing is valuable now because it's so ragged around here. It's got holes everywhere. You know, the neck's like this big. It's wearing out, though. It's wearing out. That's what he's saying. Wax old as doth a garment. That's what God says about the earth. And so you ought to be seeing as time goes on, brother, 85 years or 84? You've seen a change. 86. I was being generous. So... It's changing. You're different than it was. They, they say, the wheat today isn't your grandma's wheat. Right? Something's happening to the ground. Something's happening with the, the frequency of volcanoes and earthquakes and, oh, hurricanes. But, but if you're a climate activist, it's man-made, not real at global warming. Maybe it's God preparing the world for something. So it's waxing old. It, second law of thermodynamics in play and he's going to fold them up like a vesture and it's going to be changed even better romans 8 because the creature which means creation in this context itself also shall be delivered from what the bondage of corruption if something's corrupt that means it's decaying deteriorating the earth is deteriorating no matter what the scientists say, no matter what the progressives say, no matter what the non-believers and unregenerate, this world is in trouble. And it's, it's reeling back and forth like a pregnant woman. Because that's what the scripture says. For you know, the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain. Travail means about to give birth. When's it going to give birth? When Christ returns. The earth will be restored to what it was with Adam and Eve. The earth is cursed by God. And as a result, it's deteriorating since Adam and Eve. And it's accelerating in deterioration in our very lifetime. Because of a lot of different reasons. But here we see, so let me ask you this. If a woman's three months pregnant, she's got pain, maybe a little suffering, but it's a lot worse at nine months. The frequency of that pain increases, right? And all you women said, the whole creation groaneth and travails. So we're going to see as God's viewpoint, as we get closer to the last days, we should see things start to get more increased, accelerating in pain. We see the earth rumbling. And yet the climate 
activists are saying, look at what you're doing to the earth. And God says, oh no, this is a cursed earth because of sin, and by the way, I'm preparing for what's coming. So what is God's view of the world? Real quick, this is why he tells us not to love the world. Now, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should have eternal life. So we know God loved his creation, and he redeemed it. He sought to bring it back and buy it back. But we're not to love the world because the world is dying and it's sin cursed. So we aren't to love the ideology, the philosophy, the values, the principles. None of that should be incorporated, even though it's part of our life, incorporated as if we're going to follow it. So when he says love not the world, that's what he's talking about. And if you're a friend of the world, you're an enemy of God. I didn't say that. Therefore, the world hateth you if just remember that. If you are the world, the world would love his own. So Christians are not going to be liked in the last days. I mean, ultimately, Hamas and Hezbollah and a lot of in the Arab world, not all Arabs are good, but they have one agenda. Destroy Christianity. Why do they hate Western civilization and say it's the, of the Satan and of the devil? Because it's Judeo-Christian. They hate it. They want Sharia law, and they want their religious beliefs on everybody. So, don't be surprised if you're hated. And by the way, that hate is going to increase, and it's already increasing. It's increasing at a rate that I never thought I'd see in my day. So, is the world in the last days improving? Now, hold on now. I know you, oh no! I mean, you're just saying, I've been answering that question, right? Pretty much. But from an unregenerate, the world's progressing. It's advancing. So it all comes down to your worldview. Now, these are all periods that have been defined by man, and they overlap. I'm not going to go through all of them, but for, we know, like the Industrial Revolution, mid-18th to 19th century, major mechanization and innovation occurred. We know today... We call it the uh, world of digital. It's called the information age. So we see, as you look back from the Roman Empire till now, what do you see? Progress. You see advancement. You see education. Everything is getting better in the eyes of man. But is it really in the eyes of God? Because God has a totally different view. Man looks at this and goes, wow. These are periods as the evolution of, of evo uh, the evolution of man, it's getting better. And the question is, is it really? So, major advances have been made, and we can all agree to this, in periods in science, education, power generation, architecture, agriculture, warfare, music, etc., etc. But in the process of this progress and this advancement and this enlightenment, the unregenerate man looks and says, wow, look at how far we have gone. And they've done this without God, by the way. But we've progressed further from God than any time in history. So all this technology, all this travel, it's not making us better. Yes, it's making our lives more convenient. Yes, it makes us reasonable and maybe we're a little bit more logical about but it is not helping us like we think it is. 
It's actually pulling us away from God more than ever. We're so busy. I have data upon data about what's happening to the generation, the Zers and the millennials. It's frightening. Article after article about the anxiety and the drugs and the psychiatry and the mental illness in our country and the kids that are, what they're raised under today and under education. Look what's happening in our college universities, what is sweeping our, our country. We're seeing Marxism, ideology, rampant. We're seeing the suppression of free speech. We're seeing, we're seeing wokeism. If you don't like it, get rid of it. What's happening? Is man really progressing? They're saying we got to do those things to progress. And in the meantime, we're getting further from God, further from His, His Scripture and His truth. So, I don't, yes, we've advanced, but not toward God. This is a profound statement by Jesus. I've been baffled by this verse, by the way. I'm sure there's a good explanation, but He says, When the Son of Man cometh, shall He find faith on the earth? Wow, it's a question mark. Yes, there'll be some faith, but it seems like after the tribulation saints are pulled up, there's not going to be a whole lot left. The faith is gone, and it's going to be complete chaos and disorder. When the rapture happens, you think there's not going to be complete chaos and disorder? And I'm going to give you some things that will really make you think, unfortunately next week, about the U.S. And I'm just going to throw some stuff out there, some data, some thoughts that will make you realize, wow, things are so bad. I'll give you a little hint. As of this week or last week, the United States debt, financial debt, is now approached $34 trillion. The feds are going to borrow $1.6 trillion to fund the government over the next six months. Six months. Our interest on the debt is approaching 800 million or billion in a year, which is more than the military budget. We'll be at a trillion dollars next year in interest alone. Folks, we are financially bankrupt. We're playing a game of dice, and eventually it's going to come to a stop. I don't know if it'll be in this lifetime. I told you this wasn't going to be positive. I don't know if it'll be in our lifetime. But when God says enough is enough, folks, life will change for everybody. And if you read the tribulation, you know what's one of the main characteristics in the tribulation? Poverty. Controlled by this and the rest of the world's under that control. We have to start thinking about that. Yes, sir. Correct. And guess what? You just answered my question. There's nothing new under the sun. You, I don't know if you knew I had that. Because the people is one and one language, and now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. This was the Tower of Babel. What did God do? He disrupted their lives. 
you know, one day we're all talking the same language. Next day we're going, and you understand a word that guy's saying. Right? That's speaking in tongues, brother. Restrain from them which they have imagined to do. So what you said, brother, is exactly right. It's not new. But it's, this is why it's different. Because back then, they didn't have the communication with China. They didn't have it with Indians in America. So today, we're all connected. Through what? Technology, travel. What's the Bible say? In the last days, knowledge shall increase. And social, people go to and fro. Travel. One of the characteristics in the last days. So, with that said... They, as they increased, Hosea 4.7, they sinned against me. In other words, mankind has the ability to advance economically, socially, politically, and technologically without God. Yes, they did it 2,000 years ago, and probably, but now we're all connected in the world. So it's much bigger, it's much more advanced, and it's accelerating. This is exactly what we're seeing play out in the end times. So... We'll stop on that because we're right on our schedule. And then we'll really kind of move into the conclusion of this and get into the end time events, the actual events about Israel, apostasy, and technology with uh, artificial intelligence. That one will make your hair stand up. I promise it's got me so like, wow. How was I not paying attention to this in the last couple of years? So, with that, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for allowing us to gather as your people, Lord, to just uh, hear from the Word of God. We pray that, Lord, the things that we heard today will help us, Lord, not to be fearful, but, Lord, to be trusting and looking to you and to be faithful and, and occupying till you come. May you give us the strength and the power to live for you, to love you, and to honor you in everything we do. May you bless the service as we continue to worship the Lord Jesus Christ, who we pray will be lifted up. In his blessed name we pray. Amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you and God bless.